Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not going to the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 126 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. The Bruins defeat the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Red Wings. Five for them. Red Wings. Red Wings. Red Wings. <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> Red Wings, five to one, and they're seven and one. Their best start in franchise history. So there's. Good I gotta news. say, I'm for right off the bat. I'm glad you screwed that up because my entire life. I've always like had to think about saying Detroit Red Wings, like. But for me, it's the Detroit and Red that that trips me up. Yeah, no, I'm surprised it's the first time I've messed that up before, to be honest with you. But I kind of like Red Wings better, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I go with that going forward. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's their it's their best start in franchise history, seven seven and one, which they've been around for almost 100 years, right? So, uh, 98 years. This is 98. 1924 is when they started. So, I mean, that's that, right. that, that, that says a lot about them. And, um, you know, there's good, there's good news from this game. Obviously, uh, Brad Marshan returns to the lineup. There's bad news, too. David Krejci leaves with an injury. And there was some mid-game news as well with the Bruins trading away Jack Stanika, which we'll get into as well. So I'll throw it to you guys for some opening takes. Well, Brad Marshan looked like Brad Marshan. I mean... I guess we should have seen this coming. And I kind of mentioned the last podcast, like I wouldn't be surprised if in a week or two, all of a sudden he's just back. Turns out I completely undersold it. He's he practices back in his usual spot on the top line on Wednesday. Uh, Bruins play a coy. Jim Montgomery says, I don't think he'll play Thursday. He'll be back before Thanksgiving. And then Thursday comes and he's in, he's ready to go. By the way, I'm pretty sure Montgomery knew he was playing. Based oh, on what yeah, oh, yeah, they definitely knew. They knew he was playing. They lied. They lied. After the game, he was like, Montgomery lied to you uh, Thursday, but, you know, he's telling the truth about Marshawn not playing tomorrow. Yeah, and they, Marshawn and Montgomery both explained that, like, they didn't want to announce anything until he really got, like, the final, final clearance because they didn't want to be, like, yeah, he's probably going to play Thursday, and then Thursday he doesn't get that final clearance, and now it's like, oh, what happened? Was there a setback? So, uh, you know, whatever. It's a, a little little white lie, but no no harm, no foul. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, he looked great. Two goals and an assist. Uh, skating was there. His edge work, pivots, you know, creating space for himself uh, off the defense, like, it it looked like what what we expect from Brad Marshand. And, you know, he said on Wednesday that he's skating pain-free for like the first time in six years, which is a pretty scary thought if you're the rest of the league. Um, you know, I know, so I know it's like to the outside and even probably to us, like initially, it's like, oh my God, like are they rushing him back? This is a month ahead of schedule. And it turns out they just kept this very quiet. But Marshand said that, the schedule had changed months ago and they had had right around this time circled. So they probably knew, you know, in September that it was going to be more like late October than late November. But I guess they felt like, you know, why tell anyone that like to, to the same idea, you know, if there had been some sort of setback, well, now you already have like an extra month built in because that's what people thought all along. 
Yeah, he um he played great. You know, he he helped. Um, well, obviously he was a big addition to the power play, but he helped on their entries to the power play. I can think of a few times where he skated it into the zone and set things up. So um, you know, he he was a a big help on the penalty kill power play. He helped their entire game. Not really anything surprising. And coach said, you know, he thought his first forty minutes he was a little bit rusty, which is kind of funny because I didn't notice anything like super rusty about how he played early on in the game, but that he really turned it on, he thought, um, in the last 20 minutes of the game. So uh, when we talked to Marshawn himself, he said that he felt like he made progress as things went on. He said, even if I played like complete crap, I still would have been happy because he just wanted to get in there and and start, um, you know, getting real game action under his belt. Yeah, and I, I got to admit, I was a little confused after practice yesterday when they when they said he wasn't going to play tonight against the Red Wings, just because, and yes, the Red Wings, um, just because the, uh, you don't, why would you, why would you give him top line rushes and top power play minutes and take that away from somebody the day before a game when you could be giving them reps? And so, like, it just, it just made no sense to me. And then uh, obviously today they were like, ah, just kidding guys, trick or treat. We got you good efforts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, we we really should have known, like, like, because I made note of it on on Wednesday. I was like, that's definitely a notable step. But then when they tell you, like, oh, you know, not quite ready yet, it's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, they just wanted him to practice there to get reps. But it's like, yeah, we probably should have known something was up, and he was very yeah. close. But yeah, now we know. Monday. Now we know from McAvoy when yeah. McAvoy yeah. gets out of a no contact jersey and practices with Hampus Lindholm, he's back. <laughs> Yeah, even Monday, they had Marshawn taking first-line reps um, when we were there, and he looked com- like completely back to normal on Monday, too, right before they uh, did their Halloween costumes for the children's hospital. I, I was yeah. like, ah, oh, he well, looks I think ready. Monday, mostly with the extra forwards. He was with... Um, he was, well, he was... Stanika and Started Lago, with the I extra think. forwards, but he also took reps, top-line reps, too. Um, so, he... He didn't disappoint when he came back. And coach, of course, you know, AJ Greer is a tiger, but Brad Marshan is a Tasmanian devil. So, um, and he'll this bite guy. someone's leg off to get <laughs> to the puck. So this, 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 this Montgomery, I'll tell you him and his nicknames. Um, Bridget, you bring up the power play and it looked it, you know, three for six tonight with Marshan in the lineup, obviously, as you mentioned, helps the zone entries, but clearly helps the finish too, right? Um, both of his goals in the man advantage. So it just, it's just, uh, it, do you chalk up their early season power play struggles to the lack of personnel? Maybe um, you add an all world player and it kind of starts clicking right off the bat. What? Scott? <laughs> Sorry. I, t- I totally missed that. I was looking something up. Dude, I thought Scott just like big time spaced out on us right there. No, no he's, you he's, he's, he's fixing the website for Scott's talks, a, a Scott McLaughlin charity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just the, just the, just the power play improvements, obviously with Martian back in there. Well, so I'll start. Cause I, I don't, I, I figured Scott, maybe he's still looking something up, but um, they start out with all forward power play again, but they, they throw Marshawn in there instead of Lindholm, they keep Krejci, DeBrusque, Pasta and Bergeron. And then they had to go away from that, obviously, when Krejci got hurt. So they go back to putting Lindholm in. Um, and it's it's kind of funny. That's the first time we see Marshawn like, play that kind of – I can't remember a time last season where they had an all-forward power play. I don't know about you guys. So it was just interesting to see him go with all of those guys at the same time. But that unit wasn't very successful. So they actually had more of their success when they threw Lindholm back in there. Yeah, I mean, they've used that, like, at times, but it's never really been their base standard power play. Um, obviously, they had to change it once Krejci went down, and then it 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 clicked, which, you know, I don't necessarily think, like, those two things are related. I think they just made adjustments to the Red Wings' penalty kill. Um, but, yeah, Marsham definitely helped, certainly in terms of entries, which, you know, I know Bridget mentioned earlier, and, and we talked about in the last podcast how they were getting – um, you know, too bunched up or kind of going laterally too much. Uh, Martian was kind of just doing his usual kind of dancing and darting into the zone. And then what he does so well is like that 
pull-up move where he gets kind of like halfway into the zone and then just that quick pull-up to get himself space and sort of survey the situation. Um, it's just kind of something that's been missing. We've seen a lot of, you know, turning it over at the blue line or trying to rim it around and hope, you know, they, that someone's there to to keep possession. But Martian makes it look almost easy and obviously it's not or her other guys would be doing it um but yeah that that was huge well it's his it's his edge work too i mean that's when 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 martian retires that pull-up move is going to be it should be named after him i mean it's it's something he's been doing for 10 years and and he makes it seem effortless because his edge work is so is so strong um but you know it stands out to me and it's it's something we already knew about the player obviously but he steps back into the lineup there there's six and one without him so tip of the cap to the Bruins for that, but just it's just the latest reminder of he's he's an absolute game breaker. I mean, I think the Bruins, I think they played fine the first two periods, but it was a, it was a game that was up in the air. It was kind of back and forth, and nobody really established you know too much dominance over the other team as far as um, you know territorial play. But he gets that power play goal in the second period and makes it two nothing. Yeah, Detroit scores late, but. I don't know. It's just, there's something about him, just his presence out there. It's just, he just, he's an added game breaker to the lineup. And for, you know, a half a game, we finally got to see a pretty, um, one of the more elite top sixes in the NHL. Obviously Krejci goes down. We'll get to that, but yeah, I mean, having him back is huge. And in addition to your stars playing, playing well and, 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 and being on the score sheet, once again, the Bruins got balanced scoring and it starts with Charlie Coyle on that pull up play that 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 Scott was alluding to from Martian but really pretty play from Coyle uh through traffic strong finish um as the third period got underway Craig Smith obviously got his first goal of the year um a little bit of puck luck but again putting it to the net being in the right spot and uh and then and, and, and your stars were your stars Pashnak Martian so it was it was just a good overall team effort offensively yeah I, I especially loved uh the game Jake DeBrusque had uh, mm-hmm. he helps win, win a battle along the boards with Marshand, uh, to set up that coil goal. And, uh, then Marshand's second goal, it's DeBrusque jamming away at the net front, keeping that play alive. And eventually it pops over to Marshand. Yeah. By the way, and- that I, I actually on the replay thought that at first I thought that it was a rebound that Marshawn grabbed, but on the replay, I think DeBrusque like chipped it over to him. Like yeah. at the last second, he chipped it over. Like he knew Marshawn was crashing and kind of sneaking down, and he found him. Yeah, and DeBrus was just making plays like that all night. Like I thought he was his second, third efforts, his puck battles were just great. He kept consistently winning battles, keeping plays alive, um, and showing determination that has been there a lot more this season and late last season, and wasn't there enough, you know, before that. But like this was just prime example of the way that he needs to play and the way that he's capable of playing, uh, and just how disruptive it can be, especially in line with Bergeron and Marshan, where those guys are doing that as well. Now you you know add a third guy who's going to play that way, and it's just an absolute nightmare for any defense. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know if this is you know if it's time for us to talk about like some of the other guys, or if you guys have any other thoughts on Marshan, but. Um, originally in the first period, I noticed this and just kind of throughout the game as well, Pavel Zaka really just like, didn't have the puck. Like he just like very rarely got opportunities. Um, he very rarely had it, the puck on his stick. And I'm not saying that's on, that's on him. Like, it just seemed like he had a very low impact on the game where some of the other guys were rolling. I mean, even that, that fourth line, Felino looked fast. Like Felino was making plays. Um, no sick was making a few plays too, and was, you know, successful at the dot. But one of the guys that kind of was in the background, um, I think was Pavel Zaka. Yeah. And so- it was, it, it was a little bit of a, you know, not to like make excuses, but a little bit of a tough game for him where he gets flipped to his offside and moved to a new line. Uh, he's playing third line right wing with Coyle and Frederick to start and then moves to center, which he's obviously played in the past, but hasn't played this season. 
after Krejci goes down and he, and now he's with a bunch of different line mates. Um, kind of just a disjointed game from him. I, I do think he, he can tend to go quiet for stretches so that that part of it isn't entirely new, but I'll be a lot more interested. You know, Friday night, he's going to play center because Krejci's out. The Bruins already ruled him out for Friday night's game. And we'll see how they configure the lines. Um, you know, someone's gonna, someone else besides Zach is also gonna have to move up into that top six because Marshan's not playing Friday night either, uh, unless they lied to us again, but I don't think they did. Um, no, so he yeah, wasn't. I mean, so actually, I noticed that the other guys were all dressed to get on the plane and Marshawn wasn't. So like he was still in, walking around yeah. in his like shorts and stuff. So I think he's not traveling. <laughs> Uh, but also worth worth noting that when we first talked to Pavel Zaka when they first announced the the trade for um for him with Hala, um we got we got a chance to ask him about playing the wing compared to playing center because you know he did start out his career as a center and he said that he mostly the last few seasons with New Jersey had made the you know, the transition into playing more wings. So I think it's been a while since he's played center um, because he had been trying to, to fit that winger role in New Jersey for, you know, the last bit of his time there. And that might just mean the transition is, um, you know, a little bit slower. Um, just a thought on that. Yeah. And I, I think Long-term with the Bruins, obviously, it seems his fit's going to be alongside Coyle, right? And I think that for them, they just need to get the reps. His his skating ability is – it jumps off the page. He's a shot-first guy, or at least they want him to be, and I think that that'll bold well with Coyle. Obviously, tomorrow night, they're not going to get that chance because you said he's going to be playing center. But I just think it's one of those situations where you just need – um familiarity and, and, and reps with the new team and you see the skill set he has it's early you like to think that at some point he'll he'll pull it together and you I, I think that him and Coyle have have a ton of potential I just don't know who that third person should be I know who it shouldn't be it really shouldn't be uh, Trent Frederick I, I know I, I it's it's well documented that our disappointment in him as a player over the majority of his Bruins tenure. I think there's been a few games here and there, notably earlier this season when he wasn't in the opening night lineup and got back in and had two strong games. But again, um, he had flashes in yes, tonight's game. He does. He does. And this is the, tonight was the first time I was um, at a game in person this year. And it's just like, you watch him live and you guys have the luxury of doing it on a, on a gamely basis and going to practice and you watch him live. And he definitely has a, a powerful stride. Um, good north south speed or at least powerful skating stride he just doesn't do much and and when you have uh when you have a creative mind like coil and a guy that can finish like coil and zaka you need somebody who when they're healthy can just play off of that and and frederick just consistently just doesn't do it for me and so and i don't know if craig smith is capable anymore either but i think he's more capable than frederick at having being in a more uh, offensive third line Tonight was a good start for, for Craig Smith. And I thought they did a strong game last outing, too. He just didn't score. So they still got to figure that out. And I think that has to do with Zaka, too, eventually. Well, and Zaka, if you think about it, I mean, mostly he's been playing left wing. So they move him over to right wing because they wanted to keep Frederick on that line with them. So it might make sense. You know, I could see them trying Zaka on the left side where he naturally would go. Um, assuming Krejci comes back and he's not playing center um, for an extended period of time. And then, yeah, maybe throw Smith up on, on the right side. I could see that being a line. Throw Frederick on the fourth line, potentially. Um, they're, they're at a position right now where with the Krejci injury, they tried pretty much every combination under the sun. Um, as soon as Krejci went down, I'm watching it. It's like, okay, well, they threw Zaka in center. Oh, now, you know, Pasternak's double shifted with the fourth line and the and the second line. Oh, now he's on the first line and they go perfection line. And it's like I, everybody was everywhere as soon as Krejci went down. And it was just kind of like chaotic to try to keep track of up on the ninth floor. Just like, okay, trying to keep a mental note when every single shift you didn't know whether or not it meant anything or not because like trying to figure out what they're going to do next game 
it was kind of hard to to tell. And I feel like we're going to go into this game in Columbus and there might be a quick trigger for Montgomery to change things up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to the perfection line for a little bit because the reason why they like to keep Hall. Well, they can off- for, for Columbus. Oh, that's true. They can't go for Columbus. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Krejci's out if they go back to that because Hall is really, you know, he his chemistry is best with Krejci. So it'd be, it's just going to be interesting to see what I- they do. I imagine it'll be Marshan Berger on Debrusque and Hall, Zaka, Pasternak. Um, obviously, without Marshan, that changes. They, does does Hall go up there or does Debrusque flip over and someone like Smith goes up? Like, I, I don't know also, what they're going to do Friday. Coyle it's, could center the second line and Zaka could center the third line. Uh, it's like, it's it's just all yeah. over the place right now. Coyle and Hall don't really click though. So I no. think I'd probably rather see Zaka with, with Hall. I think, well, we don't, we haven't seen that yet, so we don't really know. True. I think it's a second of a back to back. I think whatever line combos they go into the game with, they're probably going to jumble them around just to try to yeah. get to the points at some yeah. point. I, I agree. I think it's going to be kind of all over the place. Before, uh, before we move on to the David Krejci injury, just your guys' thoughts on Jeremy Swayman had a bounce back performance tonight. Yeah, big. Uh, you know, it's been nine days since his last game, I think. And, you know, obviously they rode Ulmark, which is the right call because he just kept winning. Um, but, you know, I think this is exactly – this is what they expected from Swayman coming back into, you know, into uh, a start. And it's what they got. Like, it, obviously, hit, you know – I still don't think there's any reason to panic if like he comes out and has another tough game. They have plenty of games coming up. He's gonna play, but you want to see him, you know, make sure it's not two bad games in a row. And obviously, there are things that he was working on in between. Um, but you know, he's. I think Swayman always comes across as very even keel, and like I don't think he was down on himself after that last game or whatever. He. He made a promise. He said, you know, this isn't going to happen the next time I get in there again, I'll be better. Um, And there wasn't, I don't think there's like a whole lot of doubt that he would be, but even beyond just being better, I mean, he was, he was really good. uh, Yeah. And he, he said to us in the post game, this first time in a while we got to talk to him, but he said, I, I asked him, you know, what were the conversations like between him and Allmark throughout the time that, you know, Swayman wasn't playing. And, and he's like, Oh, we always talk. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're close. And we, we both have the goal that we're going to be the best goalie tandem in the NHL. So really they kind of see it more like a, a, a team effort anyway, which we already knew. Um, but they're, they're pushing each other, um, which is something we've heard from them and coaches, um, so the better Allmark plays, like the better Swayman feels like he needs to play. And it's just a good thing for the Bruins to have that kind of a dynamic going. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, dating back to last year, I mentioned too, I just like their dynamic between them off the ice. Like they're competitive, obviously, but they, they root for each other. Like they kind of view each other as, as one really. Um, and so it, it enables them to kind of just you know, go through the entire season and not not have any jealousy or or whatever towards the other guy. Like they're in it together. Who's who, no matter who's starting, who who's opening the the bench door. Um, so in the second period of this game, as we mentioned off the top, the top six was together for the first time this year, but not for long. Uh, what was it? Was it Rasmussen that Krejci yeah. got tangled up with? And yeah. you know, you look at the replay, and um, the only thing that kind of stands out is is what. Rasmussen was called for, which was the the follow through high stick. But if you watch Krejci's body language skating off the ice, he was kind of favoring. It looked like a shoulder, arm, wrist type thing, not his head. So I don't know what you guys made of that injury. Well, we yeah. had a hard time. I think everybody had a hard time trying to figure out what what he was actually favoring. At first, I thought it was the right side arm or shoulder. Then I thought, you know, maybe the follow through on the stick. But now that I've had a chance to see it a few more times, I do think he got butt ended in, in like the right side of his chest or rib area, somewhere in the core. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it would have been left side, but yeah, I think that's what happened. Okay, so it looked like he took a butt end from Rasmussen to the core before Rasmussen high sticked him in the face. I originally was like, oh, maybe it is a head injury because he stumbles when he gets off off the ice, and sometimes you have that like lack of coordination when you just um, been stunned by a head injury. But I I think most likely uh, on on like further watching it over and over, I think it's a an injury with the butt end. Hopefully not too hard into the ribs. Um, that's what that's what I would be worried about. Yeah, and it, like it, even the butt end, it, like it's hard to see if it's definitely in the ribs or like does is it into his arm? Like could it be you know like an arm injury? It's all we know is you know after the game they said or when they ruled him out they said upper body and then both Jim Montgomery and Don Sweeney said he won't play Friday night. Uh, you know, continue to get evaluated tomorrow, and you know maybe we'll get some sort of update or more clarity from Montgomery before after Friday night's game. But yeah, just a really weird play because like you said, like his, his reaction is so delayed, which, you know, like at first that, that makes you think head, right. Cause we've seen guys who, you know, suffer concussion and you don't really notice it until they take a few steps. Yeah. But the way he was hunched over it, I do think it was something midsection or arm, but you know, that's still just a guess until, until we get any sort of clarity. I don't know if this adds any context clues, but he dropped a stick. Like he started skating yeah. away, was holding it. Then he dropped it. Didn't like just completely left it behind. Maybe. I don't know. It was too, he was even in too much pain to, to worry about the stick. Um, and clearly he was in, um, a lot of pain when he stumbled onto the bench and kind of needed help. Yeah, it, it really is difficult to, to see exactly what it was. Um, you know, you're dropping the stick. Is it one of those situations where, yeah, the, the midsection pain was so, was so unbearable. He just said, screw it and dropped the stick. Was it because, uh, Rasmussen kind of um, bent it, bent Krejci's wrist backwards that we just couldn't see through body contact. Like who knows really? Um, but what, what is somewhat encouraging is I saw online that um, he was spotted leaving the garden with nothing on, like no cast, no nothing or anything like that. So I don't know if cast is what he would be wearing, but there's, he wasn't seen wearing anything. Um, yeah, so that was from, from Matt, Matt Porter. The Globe had that update. He had seen him and didn't notice like any any visible, you know, whatever. What like you said, like a cast or some, any sort of protection covering anything. Um, Sling, yeah, Which would only like kind of suggest that it wasn't like upper, like it wasn't like upper shoulder, like shoulder or arm. But like, I mean, you can still have something like going on with your yeah. chest or, or, you know, if it was a concussion, you're obviously not going to be wearing anything out of the rink. So. And I think another part of it too, is like they're off to a seven and one start. Same goes for Martian, right? You're seven and one to back to back. Like it could just be precautionary where it's like, all right, we're flying out to Columbus. Do we really need to, to push these guys tomorrow night or just have them stay home for a few days and whatever's ailing Krejci just, you know, kind of let it, blow over hopefully it's one of those situations but obviously you know his health long term is very vital to this to the, to the Bruins success this year it's 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 everything that they didn't have last year up the middle right so um it, it doesn't appear to be a head injury if it were that would be much more alarming because of reasons we've discussed with other players and it's just uncertain um but if it is something minor that just kind of happens over the course of a season I think we can probably sleep a little bit better tonight. Nolan's probably something like that. Again, it didn't look too bad. It just looked like a, one of those hockey plays, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as optimistic as you. I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just a gut feeling that I think he might be out for a little bit of time. Like, I don't think he's coming back, um, you know, after one game or two games. I just feel like, it looked bad enough where I think it was one of those injuries that it doesn't, you don't might not think that it looked bad, the actual play, but whatever the injury was on the inside was actually pretty bad. I don't, I just have that 
feeling that that's what's going on. I don't, especially with how quickly they were like completely ruling him out for traveling and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my gut feeling. Well, Scott, what's your what's your gut telling you? Uh, I, I don't have a gut feeling. I I have no no idea. Not gonna guess. Um, I mean, they have three full days off after Friday. They don't play again until Tuesday. That is so, and, and they positive there, and they do come home. Like I know, you know, you look at this on the schedule. It's a four game road trip, but they're they're coming back to Boston after the Columbus game. Um. So, you know, we'll see if he's able to rejoin them for a practice at some point. You know, to your point, like, I, I don't think there's certainly not a rush if he needs to miss a week. Like, I think they'll be fine with that. You just hope it's not long term. And, you know, where where it gets interesting is um, obviously with the Stanika trade, they free up one roster spot. And I think everyone's thinking was that was going to be Mike Riley coming back up. So with Marshane getting activated, they sent Mike Riley down to Providence on Thursday, which by which, the way, he was not in Providence. He was on the ninth floor with us. I saw. Yeah. Him so it, it was a paper move. He yeah, was going to get recalled after the Stanika trade. Now the crate injury injury kind of throws a wrench into that. Mark Diver already reported that he expects Jacob Loco to be recalled. Um, so Loco will probably be joining them in Columbus, which means either Riley then actually stays in Providence or, or I should say actually goes to Providence or just hangs around Boston and like, isn't doing anything for a few days. Or if Krejci's, if they know Krejci's going to miss, you know, a few games, then they put Krejci on injured reserve and then you call up both Loco and Riley. So in the immediate short term, you know, a couple things to figure out there right now, you know, if they call Loco up, then they're back to like their, I think that would be 13 forwards. And uh, even without Riley, they still have seven defensemen. But, um, you know, like I said, I think the original plan was Riley was going to come right back. And now crazy kind of throws a wrench into that where Loco is probably going to be the first one back. And then they're going to have to see, you know, whether Krejci needs to go on IR or if it is only a one game, uh, you know, one game absence. Yeah. And and Don, Don Sweeney was also asked about this in his press conference after the game. And he said, you know, you know, maybe it's going to be Riley or maybe we go down to Providence to grab a forward. What did he say? We might run seven defensemen. Yeah. Is what he said. So like that would mean Riley would be the one making the trip. If that's well, the case, they have, he they have seven say, defensemen even without Riley. So yeah, well, I just mean because in the context, it was in the same like sentence where he was saying like, "Oh, you know, we were maybe gonna bring Riley, but now we don't know." So, um, so yeah, well, actually, just quick point on that. I thought Zaboral did not have a great game. He had a real bad turnover in the first True. period, just like a point blank chance he gave up because he came around the back of the net and just like either didn't see the guy he tries to make a play up the middle or I think he just straight up missed Charlie Coyle with the pass I think he did too I was gonna say he like whiffed the pass kind of a little bit and just didn't connect and it ended up in a real bad situation right in the middle of the zone for an easy chance the other way and by the way the Craig Smith also had a brutal turnover on the one goal the Red Wings actually did have and I thought I thought Smith mostly played a good game, um, you know, in that fourth line role. But uh, he also had a really bad turnover that that actually did end up in the back of the net. I think I think the honeymoon period for Zaboral is kind of starting to run thin. Obviously, you know, he was out the majority of last year, comes back in camp and looked pretty good in the first half of camp. But unless he just wants to be a lifelong ceiling third pair defenseman he's going to start to have to do something one have one attribute that's that's relatively elite or above average right i mean he's a good skater but he's not overly physical his he's not a playmaking defenseman he's not a efficient shooter so he needs to really start to pick it up uh, in one aspect to stand out amongst others um because he just kind of does everything pretty pretty average um at that level. I mean, he's, a, he's obviously an above average skater in general, but I just mean compared to his, uh, his counterparts, but um, yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait 
for further information on Krejci to really dive into what that means for the Bruins. Um, you know, we don't want to speculate too much. I think now is probably uh, a good time to discuss the 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 mid game trade, um, which you know I'll throw it to you guys to discuss the 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 details of who was going to Boston for Jackson Nika and uh, one of you guys can do that now. Yeah, so they trade Jackson Nika to the Vancouver Canucks and they get back uh, goalie Michael DiPietro, no relation to Rick DiPietro, <laughs> and defenseman Jonathan Myrenberg. Um, so DiPietro is a, a 23-year-old who's spent the last few years in the AHL and I think he was Vancouver's uh, like COVID taxi squad goalie the COVID year. Um and Myron Berg is a 19 year old who a defenseman who was a fifth round pick in 2021. And uh, I saw, um, I can't, I, I, I can't find the tweet, but I saw a tweet of his season that he had in, in Sweden's junior league last year um, where like his analytics were off the charts. Like they were very good. And now he's playing more time up in like the Swedish pro league. Um, and it sounds like he's definitely a longer-term project, but uh, Don Sweeney said P.J. Axelson has seen quite a bit of him and is very familiar with the player. And so it, it seems like he could actually be like a, you know, like I'm not going to go crazy, but like at least like a legit prospect, like someone to put in the pipeline and, you know, see see how he develops over the next few years. Um, the goalie, I think that's kind of just to take on a contract. Um, the Bruins already have goalies in, in Providence and Maine. So we'll see where he fits, but um, yeah. So that's, that's the return. And as far as Stanika goes, uh, you know, we know he, he made the team out of camp for the first time. It had a good preseason, but obviously there was always the, you know, if they're going to try to send him down, he would have to go through waivers and would he have made it? And they didn't want to risk that. So even if he wasn't going to play, he was on the team. Um, they didn't get him into the lineup early on. Then he gets into one game and has a really bad game. Uh, commits a turnover that leads to a goal, takes two bad penalties, hasn't played since. And so it got to a point where, you know, one is – is he going to play? Does he have a role? Is he bringing anything to the team or do they feel like those roster spots are going to be better used on someone else? And now, especially with Marshan back, you are running out of roster spots. They signed Anton Strahlman. That's another roster spot taken up. Like, so where, where does Jackson, he fit? Does he deserve to be one of the 23 players on the NHL roster? And I think Obviously, they came to this conclusion before the Krejci injury. Who knows if that would have changed anything, but I think did they take everything into account and decided, no, he's not one of the 23 players who should be on our NHL roster. So try to find a deal out there. And, you know, I guess to, to Sweeney's credit, like he, he got something, you know, we'll see what it turns into, but it wasn't just a, a total dump. Yeah, and, and something Sweeney said after the game, too, was that he never planned on putting Jackson Ica on waivers. Um, he always was, you know, in the market to try to find a deal that worked um, if if he could to to move Stanika. Um, the reason, I mean, it, the writing was kind of on the wall because obviously he gets into that one game. He had no consistency, but the Bruins were, you know, have depth throughout the lineup and in particular at center and something coach said. Um, which I guess he he found out uh, at some point during the game or maybe right after the game um, because he knew about it when we talked to him, uh, was that he said, we have four centers who are perfectly slotted in, plus Zaka who can play center. So they kind of felt like it wasn't there wasn't room for him uh, there. And he also, Coach also said that um, I'm happy for him because he's an NHL player, but there wasn't really a spot for him in Boston. So, like, you feel bad that the trade gets finalized mid-game, but at the same time, his opportunities are probably going to be better out there in Vancouver. 
And to the to the point, Scott, you were talking about the statistics for Myrenberg um, from last season in Sweden. He had eight goals and 23 assists. So like 31 points uh, that adds up to. So he had a, a high offensive season, like pr- production wise, numbers wise, especially in the assist category. You know, that's that was a pretty decent job. Let me see how many games that was through, because I think it wasn't that many games. Uh, 35 games, he had 31 points. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think right now Stanika's probably got mixed emotions, but I think when the when the dust settles, he'll realize that the Bruins actually did him a solid in this situation because he wasn't going to play in Boston, and quite frankly, he didn't earn the opportunity to do so. Um, you know, I, I think that there were times where management was to blame for his lack of reps at the national hockey league level but i think at the end of the day the onus falls on the player and he didn't take advantage of his opportunities in fact he actually made the case worse for himself when he got his chance this year and you know if you guys remember in the summertime we were recording and we were discussing training camp and we kind of said like we 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 weren't talking a lot about stanika and then we brought him up and we're like oh yeah we forgot about jack stanika and He's how he was kind of just passed by by some of the Bruins' um, younger prospects at this point. And it just didn't seem like there was a spot for him. And he goes into Philadelphia, the first training camp game. He didn't play well. But then all of a sudden, Stanika and Greer and Mark McLaughlin had a uh, really – Scott McLaughlin. No, no, not to be confused with one Scott McLaughlin. Um, I had a terrible camp. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> really think, but we'll have to talk about that off air, but you did. Um, good room for improvement, though. So Mark McLaughlin, Staniga, and A.J. Greer, they came to life in that second game against the Rangers, and all of a sudden we were like, all right, okay, maybe maybe Staniga does have a chance to make this team because they don't want to put him on waivers, and, and, and the numbers game was looking like it was in his favor, but just didn't come to fruition. So – um, I think now the question is, this is kind of a a fresh start, right, for, for Don Sweeney as far as, all right, it's <laughs> Stanika was my guy. He didn't pan out. I tr- I'm trading him away, and it's kind of like, all right, we got um, Merkulov from Ohio State that they signed, who's in Providence. Uh, they signed, they, uh, not signed, they drafted a couple of centers this past, uh, this past June. Kind of a fresh start as far as trying to restock the center position through the draft. Who knows what these players and their system will 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 end up becoming? But we all kind of knew Stanika wasn't going to be much here, and um, they decided to part ways with him. Yeah, and yeah, it looked okay. like a good move, right, Scott? Like this looks like a decent like return. Um, maybe more than I thought they were going to get. I I was questioning whether or not they were going to get much of anything, but they, I I understand that they they get a defenseman who's a fifth round draft pick, but he's so young that he has so much time to develop. And I feel like they, they have plenty of time to try to get him up to NHL speed. Um, and they really had no use for Stanika at this point. I thought maybe they had something planned for him come next season or two seasons from now when they lost Krejci and, and Bergeron because that's coming whether we like it or not uh, because he's a center I thought they were hold, gonna hold him potentially if they didn't have any uh, any offers they they didn't like so I, I think that that was uh, something that they considered was holding him until it, uh, you know he'd be much more needed when Krejci and Bergeron are gone but I think they just liked this deal and decided to to pull the trigger on this instead yeah, I also think like they're not they can't really look at what he's going to be 2 or 3 years from now at this point because if he was ever going to be a top 6 center, he would at least be establishing himself in the NHL at this point and he just hasn't. I guess um, uh 24 years old, 23. <laughs> yeah. At this yeah. Point, I mean he's not 18 anymore. I mean, he's clock's ticking on him. Yeah, I mean by some, you know, depending on like how you define prospect, like a bunch of places don't even consider him a prospect anymore. Cause he's basically aged out. So yeah, like he's, 
you're not going from, you know, not being able to crack the NHL lineup on a regular basis to top six. Like that's not at that age. I don't think maybe he'll, you know, find himself in Vancouver and have like a, an awesome transformation there. Uh, That'd be great to see. I'd be happy for him. Um, But I don't, I don't really see that happening. I think, Third line is probably a ceiling at this point, even on a team like Vancouver. And that's fine. You can make a nice living that way, but that's not, I think the idea that, you know, he was going to be part of the plan to replace Bergeron and Krejci eventually. I I feel like I'd given up hope on that. I think a lot of people had, um, by the way, I found the, the tweet that I was talking about. I retweeted it from my account and the skate pod account. So People can, uh, as you listen, you can go check that out if you're into analytics and all all that fun stuff. Uh, the the stats that are near and dear to Scott's heart, and you know what, guys? If you remember last episode, we had like a full on conversation about like the semantics of of Jacksonica and why he was having trouble, and oh, what we what we would be able to find out if he had a consistent stretch of games while. Doesn't sound like we're going to be <laughs> talking about Jackson Nika that much more. So the semantics are, are yeah. over uh, in that situation. We don't have to, you know, look deep into the psychology of what happens to a guy when they don't get consistent reps and when they, you know, they're just dealing with being in and out of the lineup. We're, we're kind of done with that conversation at this point, it seems like. Well, we're going to find out, right? I mean, he's going to go to Vancouver and get plenty of ice time. I think they're winless. I think that they're on the verge of tanking if they have another, sh- you know, shitty month uh, up in Vancouver, and he's going to get ample ice time and opportunity. I saw that they they just won their first game. They just Did they? They, they just beat the Kraken. Uh, I think the game just ended as we're recording. All right, dash um, one for me. They, oh, they beat Seattle. That's half a win. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, Sarah Griffin on Twitter, who said some Bruins fans probably follow and then and know. Uh, tweeted summer calling it the Jackstonika effect. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, speaking of analytics, I think unless either of you had anything left to say on Jacksonica, it seems like Don Sweeney is still in discussion with uh, David Pashnak's agent to to fine tune some analytics um, and, and finalize the deal. It seems like. Yeah. So Sweeney was asked about that towards the end of, or actually at the very end of his post, his post game press conference, which is when they were trying to say last question. And then the, the question came in after the buzzer, but good. I know I I was, I was about to ask and then Fluto got his question in before me. And that was supposed to be the last one. And then uh, fortunately Joey Mack just persisted anyways and got it in there. Well, I mean, it was smart. It was smart. It was a question that everybody wanted yeah. to know. So and, I guess if you, you got to throw have, it they, at the They wall. knew he was going to be asked about it. So yeah. But yeah, so he said that, you know, they're still talking pretty, he's still talking to Pasternak's agent, JP Barry, pretty much every day. Um, you know, that they're working towards it. He's hopeful that they'll get across the finish line and, be able to announce something but you know that the, they're not there yet and that was pretty much about what he said uh, all he said so it was the you know kind of same update as before but i guess right it, it can you can look at it either way if you're the optimist you say hey they're still talking every day that's that's good like you know talks haven't broken down and you know now they've gone like a week without talking the pessimists yeah. would say okay well what's taking so long if you're talking every day how are you still not close enough to get this done? Exactly. Like I actually took this in a negative way, which was to the point where he said, and, and I'm quoting him, just trying to find the common ground and hopefully we get to a point that we can announce a deal, but we're not there. When I hear him say find common ground, I'm like, how far apart are they that com- like they haven't found common ground yet? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of minute details i'm sure that that go on in those contracts that we don't we don't even think of that they could be going back and forth about honestly uh it could be about structure it could be about who knows honestly what i can tell you is that right now he's sandwiched between uh, a couple guys named Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl um 
tied with the two of them for 15 points in the league. Again, I know it's the first month of the season, but what do you want me to do? Not talk about it. So he's the, uh, you know, tied for the league lead in points. It just, you know, I think we're all in agreement. Just pay the guy, but I don't want to oversimplify the the process. I'm sure that there's some, you know, details that they got to iron out. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the very least, his price has not come down. No, no. And if, if anything, it's only going up. <laughs> oh, and by the way, it just kind of confirms that what we already knew that it, the Bruins have been trying to get this deal done all along. That's like the Pasternak side that's holding out and, and trying to, you know, really iron out the right contract or, I mean, we don't really know. So. I mean, that's just them doing their job though, right? Like, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. If you're, you know, it, from our perspective, we're sitting here saying like, uh, you know, we really hope that these guys get it done before the season. We don't, you know, we, we don't want to risk losing them, blah, blah, blah. Like we want the Bruins to sign them. But if you're the player, it's like, it only strengthens his, his case to, to, to wait into the season. Like it's not going to hurt him. His price is going up. Now he's, he's betting on himself a bit, right? I mean, if the season started and, we're sitting here in December and he's got like, you know, 25 points as opposed to 45, whatever, then that could hurt him. But he bet on himself and it's, it's, it's smart business for, for Barry and for, and for Pashnak. Um, you know, we'll, so, so we'll see when yeah. that, when that happens. Yeah. And like, I, I wonder if that was kind of part of the calculation for Pashnak and, and his agent is like, maybe the Bruins, you know, now we don't, I don't think there's been any reports of like actual numbers that have been offered, but like maybe the Bruins were around nine and a half because that's what they gave Charlie McAvoy last year. And that was a fair offer before the season, but Pazanak and Barry sit there and go, yeah, but that's kind of based on, you know, last year where he wasn't really at his best, obviously for all, you know, for off ice reasons in the year before when he was coming off hip surgery and wasn't really at his best then like, you know, maybe even without like, necessarily saying it or declaring it like let's see how the start of the season goes with him healthy and you know maybe it goes from nine and a half to ten and a half or eleven or whatever so that's where like i could see there being some separation where like those goal posts have shifted you you also see like the huberto kachuk barzell deals which i think all help pasta because he can look at all of those guys and be like I'm better than them or I, you know, certainly better than Kachuk and, and Barzell. And, you know, he can, he can say fairly, like when I'm at my best, I'm comparable to Huberdeau. Like I should be in that 11 million neighborhood if, if that's where he is. Yeah. And I, and I don't anticipate the Bruins really having a hard time meeting their demands. I mean, I think there's a, there are a million and one reasons to, to sign this player. Um, most of which are on the ice, many of which are off the ice. He's a very, very marketable player. How many 88 jerseys do you see in the New England area? Like, he's a fan favorite. So it's as far as marketing the team off the ice, success on the ice, he's a player that you want to sign. And, you know, I, I just think the Bruins are trying to see what where his camp's coming from. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to wait until the end of the season. I think they'll probably – they might get to November, December, the halfway point, and be like, all right, this is what he's projected to do this year. Let's, you know, whatever. I don't know. But I think it'll get done. It's just a matter of when. Uh, unless unless they're – and the cap is expected to go up too, right? So unless they're asking the Bruins to pay him, you know, $15 million a year. Um, and even then, it's like, eh, well, think, let's think about it. <laughs> but uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Did you guys have any other things you wanted to go over? I just had one last note that we didn't touch on, which was Derek Forbert. Playing. What a fan favorite he is right now. He's playing a great game. He played another great game um, today. So, like, the diving block to take away the pass on a three-on-one just absolutely, like, could have been, like, a turning point in that game if they had scored. And he just plays it perfect. And Swayman called him uh, another goalie out there um, because sometimes the way that he blocks shots and makes those kind of, of say like, saves i guess you could say great great hit in the second period too in the uh i want to say it was the right corner but yeah i mean it's just it's it's crazy that the the derek forbert fandom is 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 running wild it's like hulkamania i mean <laughs> he was a player who last year everybody was kind of like making fun of like oh derek derek scorebert or whatever like that when he scored a few goals and he was kind of the whipping boy again because of 
why Sweeney brought him in to be a top pair guy, but he's truly kind of turning into a fan favorite. Like people, is, and it goes beyond Darla. True, trust me. So he's uh, <laughs> he's playing he's playing some great hockey. I'm actually really happy for oh, the player. Yeah, although Darla's probably like 75 percent of it. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. yeah, she's 100. Really, really tips the scale. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, the yeah, forward Clifton pair has just been they've been solid. Yeah, yeah. Scott, I think you tweeted you you retweeted some analytics of like the expected goals. Like they're a top ten pair in the league in a few of these analytic. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Categories so that was yeah that was before Thursday's game, but yeah, for, it was from MoneyPuck.com, which you know they'll have like their list of. Uh, you know, they do like top lines, top pairings. And uh, yeah, Forber Clifton was top, not not only tops in the Bruins, but like you said, top 10 in the league in, in expected goal share um, for D pairings, which, yeah, just just an impressive start for those two. And if you if they eventually settle, you know, right now, they're still kind of playing as the second pairing, like whether it was Riley Carlo on Tuesday or Zaboro Carlo on Thursday. Like that's been more of the third pairing. Although Carlo did, I think Carlo led the team in ice time on Thursday, um, which was good to see in his second game back. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you eventually settle into forward Clifton being your third pairing and they're still playing like this or close to it, like that's, that that's a real strength that that becomes, you know, you finally, have that third pairing not be a question mark, which it's been too often in recent years. And it starts to look really solidified. And it has like an identity, right? Like it has that identity of being like a good defensive lockdown, defensive line. That's going to like a pair, I should say, that's going to be your most physical pair. Whereas you got other guys um, that are, you know, good skaters, good puck movers, good in transition. You know, the identity of this line is to lay the big hits, block the shots um and, and play that kind of hockey yeah i mean they're not it's not an apples for apples comparison but it's a little bit of shades of the the um adam McQuaid, andrew ferentz their deep pair the bruins had for a long time where you, you just didn't have to worry about them like they just they kind of went out there they did their thing and um and they were reliable and and that's kind of that's kind of what these guys have kind of shown us the, the last few weeks is that they're they're, they're steady eddies back there and and they and they've been entertaining. Yeah, they have been entertaining. They've been throwing the body around. They've been fighting. Um, so it's it's they they weren't even when they were together last year. They weren't showing that all all ton. Um, but hey, sometimes you get more chemistry the longer you play with somebody. So um, the Bruins they are they're playing uh, four straight road games uh, starting tomorrow night into into next weekend. Um, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Rangers, and the Maple Leafs. So we'll be covering those games as they happen. Did you guys have anything else before we wrap up here? No, other than just to note that our original schedule, we weren't even going to do a podcast tonight because of the back-to-back. How naive. Yeah, no. Uh, then in the morning, we find out about Marshawn. We're like, yeah. yeah, we're like, oh, Marshawn. Okay, well, we'll do a podcast. And then it's like, oh, okay, crazy, you get injured. Oh, okay, Stanigo got traded. I was like, this is going to go from the podcast that was never supposed to happen to like the most jam-packed podcast we've done all season. Um, so, you know, I was I was sitting up on the ninth floor just like spinning. Like I was like, what what is going on right now? So we were going to go to bed. I was going to I was going to get in bed, you know, eleven thirty. Instead, I didn't even get home till almost midnight, and here we are at one o six a.m finishing yeah. recording so i don't know if you guys still want to do sunday we were originally planning on doing our next one sunday i'll i'll, I'll let scott sleep on that and, and let us know in the morning because we do want to have what is mark Skiver what on. is this thing that you speak of <laughs> well i have a really important event sunday actually yes yeah yeah my yeah. dog I, I entered my dog in a halloween costume contest and i'm gonna need you guys to go and vote for melbourne well, but here's the so. problem Here, here's the, here's the problem though bridget we we would we would honestly but i i entered scott into a halloween costume too on sunday <laughs> halloween costume uh contest. wait is it the same uh, one yeah i think so it might be uh, question what if darla is also in this contest oh then i don't uh, yeah I, i'm guessing you guys would vote for her then but <laughs> 
but Melvin, Melvin, Melvin takes the cake. Melvin's got so many costumes. I don't even know which one to put them in. Thinking lobster. Not sure. Well, yeah. we're going to have to make sure that we tweet that out from the skate pod account. Yeah. I will. Uh, yes, definitely. It's it's between lobster and baby Yoda. So <laughs> that's, I like that last one. Yeah. Those are, those are both good though. Well, best of luck to Melvin. Um, oh, you, know, you guys have a yeah, good, good, good Halloween weekend. Stay safe out there. Bruins defeat the Detroit Wed Wings five to one. They're seven to one in the year. Best start in franchise history. So um, good stuff. Good stuff for the Bruins. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk soon.